1: History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin.
0: Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon podcast network of wise music swamis making these audio podcasts. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is episode 228. I'm calling this Corporate Solo Albums. I tried to think of another snappy name. I I thought of putting the word insipid in there or dreary or whatever, but then I'm thinking, oh, are they all going to line up? Then I thought should I put eighties in and then I realized somewhere from the nineties, maybe I wanted to talk a little bit about the seventies. Um, so yeah, just to keep it nice and general and use the term that I originally thought of, you know, corporate, right? What does corporate mean? Um, you know, I, I think, uh, basically, uh, we all know what it means, but it means uh, on a major label, uh, you know, a lot of musicians, producers, expensive, it sounds very commercial, all that stuff that we're going to get to. Um, but yeah, so this is basically about these solo albums. Uh, and and most of these are going to uh, align to certain rules. And as usual, I've, br- I've broken them into categories. But the whole idea here is... I, I started thinking about this one earlier before I started thinking of an episode I might call Shadow Catalogs. But I thought, uh, in a sense... Um, This aligns with that somewhat in that there are some catalogs of bands and maybe they're not even big catalogs that we tend to forget that there's a very similar album that could fit into the catalog that happens to be by one of the key members of the band doing a solo album sort of thing. So this is a little bit like that, but it's also a little bit like um, all these albums are kind of similar in that. Uh, so these are solo albums that uh, that are essentially you know one or two off. These are not exactly solo careers that these guys went on, and you're going to notice also, well, there's a lot of similarities we'll get to, but you're also going to notice that these are all American artists because, I frankly, I think these American artists are the ones who are sitting around L.A. board and can go out with uh, big shots from the record label or a- A&R people or producers. And uh, and uh you know there's there's relationships that are forged when you actually live in hollywood right um close to close to where most the record labels are um and I think sometimes this is why some of these albums come come up. You know, other reasons they come up are um you know, you are essentially forced into like the band splits acrimoniously, they may get back together again at another time or whatever, but you're essentially uh you got to do something. That's one thing. And some of these albums happen uh because uh, there is this idea where management or the label kind of kind of grabs you by the back of your collar and says, we kind of think you're a star. Um, we want to try something with you. We want to try make you a star. You really are the star of this band. Uh, everybody looks at you and asks you for the interviews anyways. Why not make a solo album? We'll see if we could uh, make some money here, right? Because that's kind of how all these sort of feel like, right? Um you know the other similarity i think you're going to find in these is that there's not really a particularly high high creative drive there's not a big reason to do these albums um they just they're, they're just kind of arrangements right um but yeah we're going to look at the the um the, the similarities of these further uh, as we get into the tracks uh let's do that now i guess um so yeah take a listen to our first selection this is lou graham with just between you and me how it gets back to me. Let's go. Okay, so this is from Long Hard Look. So this is the second one after Ready, Ready and Not uh, Ready or Not. Uh, this is 1989. The theme here is these album covers. So I wanted to pick one that really, um, you know, aligns with this album cover thing. So I like that the title is Long Hard Look because what what you get out of these corporate solo albums is, uh, you know, that that rock star just him on the cover staring at or her. Stevie Nicks kind of fits into this a little bit. Um, uh you know uh what's her name from the motels i i think i i think they she's got one too i didn't really include it here but um but yeah the idea is uh, is this lou graham cover is perfect for our cover theme because uh it's just lou on the cover and what else do we have we have a black and white photo right so these are often black and white photos um very conservative corporate type um so we don't go too crazy solo artists don't get logos basically right um so yeah, we've got that. Um, we've got uh, sort of, uh, you know, these guys are often in suit jackets. You know, the Robin Zander album from 1993 is another perfect one. So you got a black and white photo. you got a close-up shot um, looking pensive. It's self-titled. Again, kind of an arch 90s sort of font. Uh, Buck Dharma flat out. Uh, not as characteristic cover wise, but uh, it it does have that clean sort of look. I mean, these aren't portrait, right? Uh, so uh, CBS portrait. so so it definitely looks like an expensive sumptuous, sumptuous photo shot. It's a very good photograph. Feeway, Bill read my lips it uh, doesn't quite fit in in this whole thing. Um, Tommy Shaw, though definitely does. i've I've taken a couple of these up. Well, what do we got here? So I just go through these. So yeah, Lou Graham, long hard look. You know, he's just kind of looking out of the catalog. That's the other the other thing. Catalog camera. Um, that's the other thing. You often get uh, part of their face in shadow or shadows on these things. And Lou Graham half his face is in shadow, so you're getting a long, hard look from one eye. Basically, he's got his hand up in a in a sort of thoughtful way. Um, so that's that one. Um, you know, Bob Geldof I think kind of fits in this too. Moving on from the um, uh, from the Boomtown Rats, I'm looking at one that I have on CD here, The Vegetarians of Love. I know he's I think he's got an earlier one that's even more sumptuous looking, but this he kind of makes fun of it and scratches out his face. but it is a black and white photograph of just Bob, right? Um, let's see. where are my Tommy Shaws? So I've got some Tommy Shaw's here that fit into this. Um, girls with guns. Uh, well, there's a picture of him and, uh, and a girl holding up a hand like a gun. So that's not particularly characteristic. But the What If album is perfect. Uh, it's a black and white photo again where Tommy's just kind of looking at, looking, uh, you know, thoughtfully out. And there's a woman in the background. It's all soft focus sort of thing. Same thing with uh, Ambition from him. Another black and white photo, like a very arty sort of photo shoot. Kind of a cool photo there. Um, you know, other ones that fit into this covers thing. Um, Rex Smith Forever. Uh, black and white photo again of just Rex Smith. Uh, kind of girly writing on it. So that's another little bit of a clue these things happen. And I think uh, the, the most iconic uh, in terms of uh, the whole cover thing. Uh, that fits into this although the artist doesn't fit totally into it but the artist does sort of fit into this Don Henley the end of innocence so again very classy expensive looking situation of uh, type typefaces and fonts and uh, there he is you know with the 90s haircut the hair hanging down and he's got a cigarette in his hand he's looking out at you um and inside jobs kind of the same thing only it's a a color shot but he's he's you know looking out um and then you know I wanted to pick one that that again doesn't really fit the idea of this show, but it fits the aesthetic. Uh, Lawrence Gowan, um, but you can call me Larry. So this has a has a really sort of iconic Hugh Syme sort of feel, and well Hugh Syme did it. Um, but it's uh it's basically another one of these. Um, soft focus, black and white pictures, kind of sepia tone, um, you know, very thoughtful sort of, uh, typefaces and stuff. I mean, Hugh Syme really has this, uh, this, um, dated to the nineties sort of look. And, uh, and, um, you know, this is one that definitely feels that way, uh, for that. Um, what else do we got here for the cover Think Kane Roberts, uh, Saints and Sinners. So more of the second Kane, Ro- Kane Roberts. Black and white photo, kind of a sultry shot. Uh, another totally iconic one for this is uh, Eric Martin, I'm Only Fooling Myself. Again, black and white in shadow, self-titled. Back cover is black and white. Um... Uh, let's see uh, actually yeah the, he's he's got a few different ones with a few different looks and even Lou Graham Ready or Not fits this uh, the Mick Jones album uh, by Foreigner totally fits this black and white kind of blurry shot it's a self titled uh, Barry Goudreau uh, he's sort of standing there it's muted colors sports jackets is a big thing here too so so in these 80s and 90s uh, album uh, so these solo albums these corporate solo albums the guys are dressed up kind of corporate right um, they, they're often in these like like um you know sport jackets not particularly suits but they're kind of looking that way um the joe lynn turner album um you know even though it's a color shot um this rescue me album um it's uh it's basically he's looking pensive he's kind of doing that clutching his uh his hand uh his um you know shirt that he kind of does um yeah, so that's that's our first theme is, is yeah, the, the graphics of these things is your first clue that you are into one of these corporate solo albums. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back.
1: Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them.
0: All right, back again here, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Um, yeah, so so this theme, I know, it's it's kind of a weird theme, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't think anybody's really talked about these things, but it's, it's like a forgotten little part of the music industry uh, that I wanted to celebrate and remind people about these albums. When we get to the last category, sound, um, you know, sound style, where we talk about the music a little bit... Um, you know, I, there's not a there's not a lot of great value to these unless you specifically like this kind of music. And let me kind of tell you what kind of music it is as we get there. But um, let's go on to our second selection here. This is Eric Martin. These are the good times. All right. So the idea here is, uh, the, the theme here is producers, uh, you know, Richie Zito, 1987. So Richie Zito gets involved in a lot of these kind of corporate-y sort of albums. He's got this, this big, uh, you know, uh, modern drum sound and, uh, the keys are braying sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, Buck Dharma flat out on portrait. Um, you know, uh, well, that's that's kind of a self-produced sort of thing. Robin Zander, uh, f- there's five producers on the Robin Zander album from 93. So Robin Zander only has the two things, uh, the two albums, but you see such a marked difference in the sound and the sound and even the look of them. But the 93 one is so iconically one of these corporate um, corporate solo album. So, five producers, including Jimmy Eov- Eovine, right? Um, so, he, you know, the big shot uh, there. Uh, Fee Waybill, Read My Lips. Uh, you've got David Foster and Steve Lukather. Um, let's see. Uh, Kane Roberts, Saints and Sinners, produced by Desmond Child. Um, we've got uh, Lou Graham, Long Hard Look, is Peter Wolf and Eric Tomgren. Um, Barry Goudreau's album, so the Boston guy. His album is Barry and John Boylan. Eric, uh, yeah, Eric Martin is Richie Zito, as we mentioned. Joel and Turner, interestingly enough, Roy Thomas Baker. Um, so you know, I looked at a whole bunch of these. There's there's a lot of names that um, that I uh, that I don't know, and some of them are self produced, like a Mick Jones uh, knows what he's doing kind of thing. But again. Um, it's it's all you get this LA involvement where it's where it's kind of mixed in with uh, with these big producers and and songwriters for, that are right there on the scene uh, that the these uh, that these records get made with. Okay, let's move on to our third selection here. This is Fee Waybill with "Saved My Life." Okay, so what do we think of this album? So, so again, I keep forgetting this uh, album exists somewhat. I'm looking at my copy now. I got it signed by Fee and Prairie Prince and Roger Steen. These guys are kind of an, involved uh, a little bit. But, um, but basically, um, no, I mean, essentially... Um, this feels exactly like um, a Tubes album, but again, a little more corporate, a little more pop, a little less quirky, a little bit less charm. Uh, the theme here is musicians. Uh, so when you get to these records, you get a lot of you get a lot of guest musicians and big superstars. You get a lot of studio people. So on Fee's album, you've got David Foster, who we just mentioned, produces as well, keyboard. Steve Lukather, he's a notorious guy that shows up on a lot of these kinds of records. Um, guitar, Jerry Murata drum from the peter gabriel band right mike landau guitar larry klein bass steve percaro uh keyboard synth programming uh you know the robin zander album even though robin does guitars keyboards vocals there's about 40 musicians on that thing uh including greg bisonette mike campbell don felder mick fleetwood uh the buck dharma album again self-produced but uh you know you'd never know it i mean it doesn't sound like a Particularly like a Blue Oyster Cult production, or even or even like a bad production that someone who isn't a producer would do, it just sounds really clean and aseptic, and again, kind of corporate, kind of anemic. Um, players wise on that, you've got Dennis Dunaway, Neil Smith from you know the Alice Cooper family, who are close by, right? Um, steve jordan will lee ron ron riddle and rick downey so you get some blue oyster cult associated guys there um but yeah otherwise this one you know he's um the thing with buck is he's an east coast guy right so so you don't you don't get this large propon, you know uh, proponent of these uh or, or propensity or whatever of these la guys coming in um you know, Dynasty, Young, uh, Boomchild, in 1989, you got a million musicians on that. Kane Roberts, Saints and Sinners, the drummer is Myron Grombach, Grumbacher, right from uh, Pat Benatar and uh, and uh, Derringer. Um, Lou Graham has Nils Lofgren as part of his album. Mick Jones has about thirty musicians on that. Ian Hunter, Hugh McCracken, Andy Newmark, Dennis Elliott. So you get, you often get on these corporate solo albums, you do get a little bit of, uh, you know. Uh, the band uh, coming in sometimes as well you know showing that band relations are generally not that bad I suppose in some cases he's also got Billy Joel guesting on there Carly Simon um, the Eric Martin album's got uh, Nathan East Mickey Curry Vinnie Caliuta, uh Richie Zita three or four guitarists Bass and keyboards and drummers uh, on that one. Joe Lynn Turner's album has Alan Greenwood, Chuck Burgi, Bobby Massano. So again, you know, it's it's interesting. You've got Alan Greenwood from Florida in there, but again, we've got an East Coast thing getting put together here. So it so it it feels a little less corporate than if you were if you were a West Coast sort of band. But yeah, this Eric Martin situation is interesting because you know he before he has the Eric Martin band, and you can you can kind of see. You can kind of see this thing happening where okay now we're really trying this we're really trying you know you can hear from the sound of that song um, that that we're really trying to uh, let's let's see if we can make this guy a pop star right and and we're gonna bring in all the 80s tropes to uh, to try work it that way and see if we could break this guy big because the other sort of theme with this episode is that um, there are there are guys who make these iconic corporate solo albums um but i didn't include the ones uh in in effect that uh it worked uh so they go on to have a solo career so you've got your your likes of your john waits um you know and again um like i say sometimes these things start because the old band breaks up and what else are you going to do right um and uh you know somebody sits down and says well let's let's not try the old tire brand that didn't work anyways let's try this new band let's just use your name right billy squire is another example of that where you know you you could say uh there was one of these but then all of a sudden you know he's doing better than piper um so we so we move on to that all right let's move on to our next theme which is songwriters um take a listen to this this is kane roberts with twisted okay so uh again even, even well the first one the first one looks so different and, and sounds different it doesn't uh i i don't really feel it gets included in this but man this kane roberts album um so saints and sinners the second one uh the songwriters on this song are desmond child diane warren and kane roberts uh and you listen to it in it absolutely sounds like a song that could have gone on an alice cooper album it could have gone on kiss hot in the shade um or uh, crazy nights uh so so yeah it's uh, it's absolutely um and there's a bunch of material in here that just sounds like like alice alice cooper trash hey, hey stupid type stuff right um but yeah, in the songwriting uh, front, we've got the Robin Zander album. Uh, almost every song on there, so this is iconically how these things happen as well. Almost every song on there is Robin writing with somebody. And and we know Robin Zander does that. He's a, he's a song collaborator at times, so he's, he's done this for other bands and in Cheap Trick and whatnot. Um, but... So, yeah, that's an interesting thing you see with these these corporate solo albums. So, it's Robin writing with a bunch of different people, but Neil Young's on there, Dave Stewart's on there, there's a Harry Nielsen song on there. Um, Fee, Waybill, Read My Lips, again, Foster, Lukather, Waybill. So, they're almost all David Foster, um, you know, which is about as corporate as you can get. Um, and Steve Lukather and Fee. Uh, and there's one with Richard Marks. Um, We've got, uh, the Lou Graham album is, uh, is basically Lou and Bruce Turgeon. Um, although when we get to a, a long, hard look, you've got, uh, Bruce Turgeon and Peter Wolf. Uh, Peter Wolf was a big part of that album. The Barry Goudreau album is kind of interesting because you've got Brad Delp and Fran Cosmos. So you've got an early iconic Boston member and a later Boston member, um, and Barry. So that's, that's pretty in-house. That's, uh, that's not too bad. Um eric martin is all kind of like publishing house songs like singer song you know song doctor songs right that's that's kind of the idea here um joe lynn turner you've got joe and alan greenwood so the foreigner guy the keyboardist um so it's joe writing with his keyboardist mostly uh, rex smith who we're going to talk about as a as a kind of an interesting special case um You know you get a lot of covers and you get the chin chapman thing that's come up a couple of times on here but that's more of an earlier old-school thing you got Steve Lawrence Bruce Hart on on things Uh, the the beginning of the album starts out like that Um, okay let's move on to our fifth selection here take a listen to this this is Tommy Shaw with lonely school Okay, so this is from Girls with Guns, and the theme here is the sound and the style of these albums. I know we've we've dropped in on this a little bit, but uh, let's let's look at a few of them. So the Buck Dharma albums. Well, so so let's start with this album. This is I wanted to pick this because it is so mean, median, average of this sound, right? It's it's pop, it's hard rock, it's stadium rock, it's brain keyboards, it's every different style of pop. It's it's. It's uh, quiet and loud. Uh, it's anthemic choruses, right? Um, so, it, and and more than anything, it's that production sound that you get on these corporate solo albums. They're almost all, like I say, they're all like A- L.A. dripping in L.A. sort of styles, right? Um, and sounds and, and these these dated production sounds from the '80s with the big clattering clattery, clattery tom toms, big snare, um, you know, tight clacky bass bass drum as well quite often uh but the buck dharma album as we all say uh in the blue oyster cult business it's basically a poppy blue oyster cult album like very poppy uh poppier than anything they'd ever done um and very clean and very kind of conservatively played um the fee the fee way bill is is like a loud braying obnoxious 80s tubes album right so it's it's like the poppier songs off of like outside inside and uh whatchamacallit what's the other one called uh anyways th- those those later albums and and completion background principle to some extent but but more of like an, an, an 80s vibe uh the robin zander is exactly like the eric martin and uh pretty much like the tommy shaw and pretty much like uh who else the joel and turner somewhat um the kane roberts is more like uh, pop metal, hair metal, as we said, uh, kind of like the commercial side of Alice Cooper. A big, massive production sound on that. Uh, the Eric Martin brings in a little bit. I almost could have included this version of Eric Martin a little bit in the Bruce, Bruce Springsteen family idea, right? But he's more of like in the John Waite family. Um, so it's got these... Um, you know these typical sort of heartland rust belt midwest rock sort of choruses uh to it a little bit of bad company to it uh but more like more like 80s bad company um but yeah eric martin kind of fits with john waite um but like i say you know he he was he was sort of made to try this solo thing tried it a couple of times um and then mr big happens right um The Mick Jones and the Lou Grams, uh, all of them are essentially shadow catalog of foreigner. They're basically like poppy... Poppy Foreigner, uh, essentially. The Steve Perry totally fits this thing. They, it sounds exactly like the mean median average of all of these. Just very poppy. And the Joe Lynn Turner, big keyboards, again, clattery drums. Uh, Rex Smith, uh, we're going back to kind of an earlier... That's right, I didn't actually pick any any Rex Smith to play here, but I wanted to talk about him for a second because, uh, you know, David Krebs is a good buddy of mine and, um, you know, he's whole, told me that whole story about... So so essentially what you have with Rex Smith is you have um, you know an early blueprint of this idea it's different than the Alice Cooper one um, different but but a little similar but it's but it's much more deliberate and much more corporate I mean Alice Cooper continues on with welcome to my nightmare as a solo artist but it's not particularly corporate and he kind of keeps the same sound right but um, but with Rex Smith, the idea is, uh, you know, management yanks Rex out of Rex Smith and, uh, says, you know, you're really the, David loves Rex Smith. I mean, he thinks he, he is an absolute star and it worked out. I mean, they, they made a great career for Rex Smith as a recording career, as an actor, uh, as well in theater, as well as, as on, uh, in TV and movies. Right. Um, But, uh, but essentially what they did is they made Rex, uh, kind of, I've got, I've got three of my Rex albums here. They made Rex, uh, essentially a, uh, you know, a teeny bopper pop star, a heartthrob sort of thing. Uh, the first one is, uh, is sooner or later and it's got completely girly writing on it and it's just Rex, a big picture of Rex smiling. There's a bit of a link back to the first Rex album because he's in a red shirt, um, but yeah, and then on the back, there's a, there's a woman um, in a soft kind of focus, and, and she's got like a locket around her neck with a picture of Rex in it. So, uh, and then uh, Forever is the black and white photo. So that's, so that's the iconic look used in the 80s. Uh, Everlasting Love, just you know, big picture of Rex's face on the cover. That is another thing that you see in these corporate uh, solo albums. Even bigger face on the back fills up almost the whole thing called Everlasting Love. Camouflage, just picture of Rex uh, looking kind of muscular on a white background. Um, And then uh, another big picture of Rex on a white background on the back so that's kind of what you do with these uh, with these corporate solo albums as well Um, so yeah there you go those are all our themes Uh, again we had album covers we had uh, there's there's certain trends with producers there's certain trends with musicians there's certain trends with how the songs are written and uh, there's a certain sound Uh, so those were our five categories my honorable mentions I mean you guys can tell me on the Facebook page whether these line up or not Um, I've put them here because they line up in some ways and not in other ways jeff lynn you might think about you might think about roger hodson you might think about greg lake um steve jones actually kind of fits this uh he's he's uh what is he he's almost well besides our honorable mentions he's he's kind of our first uh first british guy well i mean we might have a few few you know semi-british guys along the way here but um but yeah, so <laughs> Steve Jones, uh so and he's also coming from a completely different discipline. But you think of fire and gasoline and the idea, so so he kind of fits this because he moves to LA and he just becomes a guy hanging around, right? And then and then so they, they put him forward. Even the album cover looks like okay, we're gonna try and make you a solo star. We're talking about the Sex Pistols guy here, right? Um, so he fits in this thing as well. Richard Marks kind of fits, except he's never been a band guy. He's more of like a solo, but but the look of the albums, the sound the writers all that stuff totally totally fits this it's just that you know he's not the corporate solo album the one-off let's try this did it work did it not work you know blah blah blah. debbie harry right so you get debbie harry cuckoo and all that you know she's she's blondie let's try debbie harry see what happens freddie mercury does that fit mr bad guy i don't know um stevie nicks does that fit david gilmore again not really because you know when i'm feeling there's um there's uh, there seems to be a little bit more of an elevated level of creativity and a reason to make these albums uh, it, it, it it takes it away from from just being this kind of insipid dreary corporate, stifled claustrophobic aseptic uh, sort of idea. So does that really fit? I don't really think so Don docking up from the ashes you know, I wanted to mention this one because the other thing with a lot of these albums is that, they're not particularly a lot different than, than what they did in the old band anyways. Right. Um, and, and I think that you get that with um, that. Mick Phelan had mentioned, uh, mentioned a couple of these. I asked him and he he gave some suggestions and it gave some food for thought, even though I felt like it was a little off, but he mentioned Peter Chris. Um, so, you know, I don't, that's the other cool thing about this, this, um, this concept is that I went through a ton of the big bands and, you don't really feel that there are too many of these from most of the big bands. It It, it is a bit of a rarity. Um, and then when you see that similarity, that's what I found amusing and wanted to do. But here's one that's kind of interesting. So you, you, you do get these from, it's not just classic rock that does these, but John Doe, Paul Westerberg, Bob Mould, um, John Doe, you, you know, the first one's got a black and white picture. It looks a little arty, right? Compared to X. It's like, it's like mellower, more country, more roots, rocky X. Um, so that kind of fits this idea. Uh, let's try make a star out of John Doe because it hasn't really turned out great for X. Same with Paul Westerberg. You start moving away. You get up into, uh, you know, um, don't look, don't look down. Da- uh, no, don't look down. All shook down. And. Um, you get into those later years and you know at the end you've got an album that was supposed to be a paul westerberg solo album. then he goes solo and what do you get you get the black and white pictures it looks kind of you know pretentious or you know it's less goofy right it's like oh we're making him out to be this serious artist maybe we can have a hit with this guy as a solo guy so there's kind of a bit of a corporate bent in in uh replacements uh you know a swaging over to becoming a uh, Paul Westerberg, right? Bob mold, kind of the same thing. You had a Husker do you get sugar, but you got Bob mold as a solo artist. Uh, what was that called? Workbook or whatever. Uh, you know, but it was it's more serious looking, more thoughtful, right? Um, and musically he's, he's kind of the same tooling, even though he does some, some, uh, more electronic stuff as well, but, um, kind of the same thing. Um, does Mick Jagger fit in this? So, you know, you get solo albums out of these guys because they're fighting and they can't get Rolling Stones albums out or whatever. But the Mick Jagger albums, um, they almost feel like they could fit into this thing because they are... They are, you know, big guest stars and very corporate, and you can tell a lot of work went into them, right? Um, so it kind of feels that way as well. Um, and then reaching back to the '70s, you might pick something like the Dan McCafferty solo album from Nazareth, so it fits here. You know, it's all like outside songwriting. Um, but you know, the idea again is uh, let's throw let's throw Dan to the wall and see if he sticks, right? Let's see if we can make a pop icon uh, out of the most important guy in the band. David Johansson's career feels a little bit like this as well um, because you you basically stick him on the cover of all those albums. He's cut his hair. Um, It's just looking a little more upscale than New York Dolls. The songs are little snappier a little more immediate a little more commercial Um, so the idea is can we turn David Johansson into a star and finally cash in on that legendary status Um, I feel they did a bit of this with Roger Daltrey from time to time right trying to turn him into a pop star Um, and uh, you know I've mentioned John Waite, Billy Squire Don Henley they kind of fit in a different category because they're they're successful And they have, um, you know, a long run as solo artists. And Phil Collins doesn't really fit this either because I don't really feel like that first Phil Collins album, even though it sounds corporate, I don't think the motivation was... This LA thing we were talking about here. Um, so it doesn't quite fit. Uh, make Feel and mention, and I thought this was completely valid Chris Cornell screams. So we've got some later examples here. Um, I feel that was an idea of let's try make this guy a pop star, and then they put him together. I think Timbaland's part of that thing. Um, but yeah, you know, outside people, different sound, um, you know, the look of it as well. And then I feel you kind of get that with Vince Neal exposed as well. Uh, put him together with some guys, make a better version of, of uh, Motley Crue, you know, with less personality, like saw off the personality edges. Uh, and just put him in front of this tight, efficient band. Even the even the front cover looks arty. Um, it's technically, I guess, a black and white picture, but it's a little little more than that, I suppose. McFelan um, mentioned Sharkey. Sharky. Um, he mentioned Midge Ur, er, The Gift. He mentioned David Crosby. Uh, oh, yes, I can. I don't feel the Tommy Lee that he mentioned. Never dull moment really fits this. Angry Anderson kind of fits. You know, I even thought Derringer, Rick Derringer, going back to being... Uh, from Derringer, after if I weren't so romantic, I'd shoot you. To Guitars and Women, Rick Derringer um, feels a little bit like this as well. Feels like somebody thought, Ah, let's put the Derringer brand aside uh, and let's get this, uh, get this Derringer thing going again, uh, or Rick Derringer. So there you go. Uh, those are that is our sad. Uh, Sunday afternoon, soap opera, dusty soap opera, weekday afternoon. You know, when you turn your TV on and you see a soap opera, it almost makes you fall asleep immediately and you got to panic. And uh, maybe this is just me. Uh, but it is a funny thing about me. I, I get instantly depressed if I crank on a TV in the afternoon and I see a soap opera. I, I immediately lose energy and uh, and get depressed and uh, and got to and turn the channel really quickly uh and that's what these corporate solo albums feel like to me this just this is just a a part of the industry where I, i don't like almost most of these right um Almost any time they do this, it just feels cynical and commercial and uh, we're just after the money and did these albums really need to happen? Um, We're just moving around a bunch of parts and seeing if we can have a hit kind of thing. Um, There you go. If you like the show and want to support future episodes, go to koficom slash Martin martinpopoff, hit that red support button uh, and buy me a coffee or a pint. It's a $3 PayPal kind of thing. That's why they say that. Uh, This week, I want to thank Joe Becht, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Jamie Laszlo. Thanks again, Jamie. I mean, I love doing our shows together. We've got our our um, regular Wednesday seven o'clock Eastern album cover shows, and Jamie's been on on probably all of those, right, Jamie? Um, and uh, and it's it's been a blast, and we we keep uh, keep doing those. Pretty interesting. Augustine Garcia de Prides, Philip Edward Phyllis, Steve Polari, John Stuckey, William Walker, Daryl Woodard um actually yeah what do we got here dan Wilson, robert robert yates uh, i think i mixed two no uh two <laughs> two lists together there's a bit of there's a bit of last week and this week in that one um for the books uh you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs i i just got in the sun goes down the second part of the thin lizzie story um i i got the new one of that one emerald um what else did i run out of that i just got from Weimar? um Oh yeah, it was out of Smoke and Valves. That came in, but I got more of the Cure one, the Cure panel book, the Bluish Cult panel book. Still got The Who, still got David Bowie, all those big expensive ones. Kiss will be back in stock in a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, there you go. Um, I don't know what to uh, recommend to go play out of all these, frankly, but you know what? I really got a soft spot for those Eric Martin albums. I just love that guy as an artist. I love his later solo albums. Um, man, uh I play, I play a lot of those records a lot. And and even this one, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, that, that one really feels like it should have been a massive, massive hit. Um, most of these actually feel that way, that somebody could have made them a hit if they wanted to. But that one in particular. So go play some Eric Martin. Find all of our shows,
1: notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com. Or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the R N R A P. We are on Instagram at R Archaeology. Tweet us at R and R Archaeology.